So there is something that I want to address first before I get into the main content for today. And I am hoping to be brief because the real action this morning is hopefully in us praying together. I guess I'll just kind of give you the punchline first and it really fits with what Josiah talked about already. God is building his kingdom. Okay, that's the punchline. God is building his kingdom. He, he's moving, family. He's working. He is at work. And on the one hand, it's so easy to get discouraged and be like, man, this place is just messed up and our, our, the church is messed up and the culture is messed up and the government's messed up. And man, if I'm honest, I'm messed up and my relationships are... I'm just going to pull back and hunker down and not say anything and just wait for Jesus to come back. So there's that on the one hand. And then on the other hand, it's like, man, I got to do something. Like, we got to muster it up. We got to get to work. We got to say this and post that and, and show up at this protest. And we got we to gotta generate all this energy and activity and momentum because we got to fight against all the horrible things that are happening, right? And I just want to say, God is at work. He's at work, right? So don't give up. Don't just pull back because God's working. But don't feel like, man, I got to just generate and muster and figure it all out because God's at work and we get to join him in it. That's the punchline. And so we're going to pray. That's where we're going. We're going to pray. Since God's at work and we get to join him in it, we're going to pray. Okay, so it was reported by every major media outlet from Fox News, which is on your right, to, you know, CNN and NBC over here. And whoever's in the middle, I'm not sure. Every major media outlet reported that President Trump used an explicit word to refer to certain African countries when having a conversation about some immigration laws that are being debated and discussed in Congress right now, which is really important. I'm not trying to minimize those things. I'm just saying that's the context for this news story that came out and then generated all kinds of activity and response, right? And some of that activity and response, the activity and response that I am primarily concerned about as a church leader and as a Christian is the activity and response that comes from Christians and other church leaders. That's mainly what I'm concerned about. Here's a little bit of just maybe a corrective. I'm concerned right now that Christians on both sides of the aisle, those who you know lean to the right, and I have to keep remembering we're opposite here, those of us who lean to the right and those of us who lean to the left, I'm concerned that everyone's a little too freaked out right now about politics. Because some people are like, man, this is the worst thing that could ever happen. How can we shut this down or stop that or close the door? And there's other people who are like, finally, we're closing the door. Now everyone's going to have a job and we're going to be safe. And I'm like, really? You guys are followers of Jesus, both of you. Why are you freaking out? And why do you think this is our salvation? So my encouragement to us is let's take our kingdom glasses, okay, pull them out of your pocket, get your kingdom glasses out, 
Get your gospel glasses out, okay? And put them on and then read the news. And then decide how you're going to respond. And you know, I'm sharing this with you to try to bless you because I have to do it all the time. I I have to remind myself all the time. And God's like, Abe, you're a mature Christian who has a responsibility to lead people. So you need to get up here today and you need to say, hey, family, I love you. I just want to ask you to pull your kingdom glasses out. Okay? And with our kingdom glasses, what do we see? We see what I reminded you all of right after the election. Okay? About 14 months ago, I said this. On the record, you can go find it when I preached on the wise men. What is the foreign policy of the kingdom of God? For God so loved the world. That's the foreign policy of the kingdom of God. The foreign policy of the kingdom of God is go make disciples of all nations. That's the foreign policy of the kingdom of God. Okay? Now, here's the great news. Regardless of what the Congress decides, we get to do our job. We get to still do our job. Now, should we, with our kingdom perspective, try to advocate for good laws at the political level? Absolutely. We don't want to just pull out of that. In fact, like, if there's any, like, high school or college kids in the room, like, please consider a career in politics. And I mean that seriously. Because we need good Christians in politics trying to pound the table for, like, hey, here's a different way of looking at it, right? But regardless of what happens in that arena... We have a commission from Jesus Christ, and it's active. Okay? And then I want to say this in particular about uh, what the news reported that our president said. It's very easy for me to get all self-righteous and think to myself, oh, man, if that's true, like, how dare he say such a horrible thing about people in Africa? I just want to remind us and inform us that what he said, if it's true, is no different than you driving through the east side and saying, this is ghetto, man. It's no different. Nor is it any different from you driving through concrete Washington and saying, like, man, this place is podunk. Hey, I'm from podunk, Nebraska. I kind of take offense to that, right? Because here's the deal. You cannot say something about where a person is from without saying something about them. Which is why when, who was it? Was it Thomas or Nathaniel? We never, Nathaniel says to Jesus, uh, or or about about where he's from, uh, does anything good come out of Nazareth? He's implying Jesus is a nobody because he's from a nowhere town. So let's just remember all of us have that in our heart. We all have that in our heart. And then let's remember that the people who live in places that you and I call ghetto or podunk or that people and politicians use expletives to refer to, guess what? Jesus is there. He's there. And he loves those people. And he died on the cross for them. And then he looks at us and he says, I want you to either go there or if they come to you, I want you to throw your arms wide open and love them like crazy. So that was for free. That wasn't even what we're going to talk about. But, uh, but it, it's, it, it relates. So, and I'm learning, by the way, how important it is 
for, for us as leaders from the stage to say, hey, pull out your kingdom glasses. Because my goodness, is there not a lot of noise out there in the world? There's a lot of noise, a lot of noise. And so hopefully, hopefully one of the ways we can serve you is by what I like to call ring the gospel bell. Ring the gospel bell and let it sound, let it cut through the noise. Because man, when that bell sounds, it's like ding, ding, ding. Okay, now I know where I'm going. That's the hope. All right, tomorrow we remember uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, his life and his assassination, well, his birth and his life and his assassination. 50th anniversary of his assassination is coming up on April 4th of this year. So him and his, uh, the movement that he helped spearhead and his uh, thinking and his communication will be very much in the national consciousness for the next few months. To my embarrassment, and frankly, even a little bit to my shame, I will tell you that this week was the very first time that I listened to the entire I Have a Dream speech. I've, I had never listened to the whole thing before. I'm embarrassed to say that. It's only 17 minutes long. I got through school, all, all my years of school, I got 17 days off of school for Dr. Martin Luther King, and I had never made 17 minutes. My daughter, who's in college now, got 13 days off school. And she and I never made 17 minutes. I never made 17 minutes to say, hey, sweetheart, let's sit down and listen to this thing. Not proud of that. I listened to it twice this week. And I want to point out a couple things that relate to the kingdom and share an idea about prayer. And then we'll get there. The themes of his talk are justice freedom, and faith. When he says, I have a dream, by the end, it's really clear that he's saying, I have faith. That's what he's saying. Justice, freedom, and faith. Here's a few quotes. Now is the time to make justice a reality for all of God's children. Now is the time to make justice a reality for all of God's children. And then he says, we will not be satisfied until justice rolls down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. Some of you might recognize that from Amos chapter 5 and verse 24. And he says, we will continue to work with the faith that unearned suffering is redemptive. That's the faith we have. Unearned suffering is redemptive. God's going to work it out. And then another one. Even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, and here's his shift to the most iconic part of the talk, though the whole thing is amazing, I still have a dream. In other words, I still believe. I have a dream that one day down in Alabama, little black boys and little black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and little white girls as sisters and brothers. And then his closing statement, there's many things that he, he rattles off there, which is amazing, but he closes with this. I have a dream 
that one day every valley shall be exalted, every hill and mountain shall be made low, the rough places will be made plain, and the crooked places will be made straight, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. That's Isaiah chapter 40, verses 4 and 5. This is our hope. This is the faith that I go back to the south with. The themes of justice, freedom, and faith are themes of the kingdom of God. And it seems to me, and I offer this seriously, so, like, as humbly as I possibly can. I went 42 years without listening to the talk. I listened to it twice in one week. I am not an expert. But it seems like Dr. King's theology really significantly informed his strategy. It informed his approach. It seems like Dr. King is saying, the vision of the kingdom of God is the vision that motivates me to do what I'm doing right now in real time. And so I want to read Isaiah chapter 61, just part of it. This would have been the scroll that Jesus unrolled in the synagogue of that podunk town, Nazareth. All the people in that room knew him. And he pulls the Isaiah scroll off the place where they kept him and he unrolls it to chapter 61. And he reads this. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And Jesus stops and he says, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. But I want to read a little bit more of Isaiah 61, which Jesus would have had all this in mind too. And the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. Anybody need that today? Anybody need a garment of praise instead of a faint spirit? Anybody need the oil of gladness instead of mourning? Anybody need the beautiful headdress instead of ashes? I do. And Jesus says, that's what I come to bring. And Dr. King grabs that promise and he says, that's what I'm fighting for, for everybody. Verse 8, for I, the Lord, love justice. See, justice and freedom and faith are the themes of the kingdom of God. And so for us, as we think about this massive topic of racial reconciliation, as we think about this massive topic of ethnic unity and diversity in the body of Christ, which which we continue to try to take baby steps toward and figure out and talk with other leaders about and attend you know, conversations and read books and listen to sermons and podcasts. God's had me in all this stuff in the last few years. He's teaching me so much. But as we try to sort of work this out and figure it out, it's got to be built on the foundation of our hope in the vision of the kingdom of God and the deep conviction that Jesus Christ is at work. He said, Peter, you're a rock, and on you I will build my church. I will build my church. I will build my church. 
and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's Matthew 16, 18. And in Matthew 28, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations. It's Jesus Christ's work. Which is why Paul says in Colossians chapter 1 concerning the gospel, he said, in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and growing. So if that's true, then we, we can't withdraw. We can't just put our head in the sand and say, it's too much. I can't handle it. It's too far gone. No, it's not. Jesus is advancing his kingdom. But because it's Jesus who's advancing his kingdom, we don't have to like muster it up or get all worked up or get stressed out or feel burdened or weighed down by like, man, I got to do something. I got to post this. I got to say that. I got to go here. I got to wave this flag. Now, God might lead you to do some of those things. Okay? Those things aren't bad things. If the Spirit of God is leading you to do that, because it's Jesus Christ's work that we're trying to engage in. And I believe sometimes it is going to look like those things, by the way. But the question is, Jesus, where are you at work in my sphere of influence? And what do you want? how do you want me to join you in your work? That's the question. And finally, we'll end with the Lord's Prayer, which we sang that song earlier, that new song, a great new song. Josiah, thank you for introducing us to that song, Let Your Kingdom Come. That's the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's our prayer. That's our prayer. And we already know what the kingdom looks like. Ultimately, people from every tribe, tongue, nation, and language together before the throne of God worshiping him. That's what it looks like. So when we are here today in 2018 in Tacoma, we get to say, okay, we know that final picture, and that's our hope. That's the goal. And we know even if every single one of us was totally faithful to the Spirit of God, we can't make that happen. Jesus started the kingdom at his first coming. Only he can consummate and complete the kingdom at his second coming. It's not the church like getting its act together and then we're in the kingdom. That's not how it works. But through Jesus' power, we get to be little like foretastes of kingdom. Little kingdom pictures break out all over the place and people get to see, oh, that's what it looks like to live under the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. That's what we're going for. So we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on Yakima Avenue, which is where I live, on, on Yakima Avenue as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done in Lincoln High School as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done in Tacoma as it is in heaven. And we pray that. We say, what are you up to, God? Now give me the power to join you in it. So we're going to break up into groups and pray for a few minutes and give you a couple things that you might be led to pray about. Because there's a spectrum here. Spirit told me that this week. Realize there's a spectrum when it comes to this topic. Some of you have been thinking about it, reading about it, praying about it, aching about it, you know, mourning over it for a long time. And, and you're sort of maybe on this side of like, man, I, I'm praying about structures and, and, and systems and, you know, systemic racism. And I'm praying about, you know, socioeconomic equality and all these kinds of like particular issues that are really big. But some of you might be way over here on this side of like, you know what? I'm just trying to figure out like, how do I... How do I make friends with someone who's really different from me? And that's, that's like wherever you're at on the spectrum. 
Or maybe it's even like, I'm not even sure if anything's broken in this area. Spirit, show me that. Like, maybe you're there, and that's okay. There's a whole spectrum. So wherever you're at on that spectrum, that's what we want you to pray about. Okay, let the Spirit show you how you need to engage this issue with prayer. Okay? And if all you've got is, you know what, Lord, let your kingdom come. As I look around, it clearly ain't here yet. So let your kingdom come. If that's all you got, then that's fine. Okay? So... Here's what we're going to do. We're going to break up into groups for a few minutes. We're going to pray. Try to get groups of like six or eight so people can participate. If you're not comfortable praying, uh, that's okay. Just sit and listen for the next few minutes. But please try to join a group so you can at least hear the prayers of other people. Even if you're here this morning and you don't know what you believe about Jesus, guess what? We're giving you permission right now to eavesdrop on the prayers of some people who do believe in Jesus. And that's going to give you a little picture of what those folks believe about Jesus. So you have our permission, you get to eavesdrop, you get to listen in on the conversation without praying, that's totally cool, all right? So we're going to get into groups, we're going to pray for a little bit, and then we're going to come back together and and, uh, remember Jesus through communion. So right now, if you could find some people around you, we're praying about issues of race, racial reconciliation, ethnic community and diversity in the church, and God's kingdom coming in those areas.